0: On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we look back at Maryland's series win on the road against Penn State. Then we sit down with Terp's senior ace, Hunter Parsons, to talk about his journey through his four years as a Terp and what he's still looking to accomplish in his final season with Maryland. Then we are joined by Kent Schwartz of the Michigan Daily, who will help us break down the Terp's upcoming home series against the Michigan Wolverines. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. Here's your host,
1: Connor Newcomb.
0: And welcome in to episode number 67 of the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, as always joined by Zach Solon and We come to you where the Terps have just come off a series victory, another road series victory, this time over Penn State. And the Terps sit at 22 and 22 overall, 8 and 7 in the Big Ten, are currently 6th in the Big Ten standing, so would make it to the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, Zach, I feel like we have to start with it's Penn State, I know, and they're sitting in last place in the Big Ten. You expect a series win. Terps obviously were hoping for a sweep, only got two of three, but... Aside from that, we've talked about this a little bit, and it's hard to figure out. This turps team is just better on the road. I don't really know what
1: it is. They're just better on the road. The Bob has been a little bit cursed this year. I don't know what it is, but they just have been doing really well on the road. They don't need that home field advantage. And, and you know what? I think that's, that's fine if you're going to win a lot of games because when you think about it, all the postseason play you get is going to be on the road. So that could be a big positive for them. I mean, there's obviously no real explanation as to why they're doing better away from College Park, but that's just it's a trend and certainly a trend they've got to be happy with because that kind of can scare your, you know, your home your other opponents a little bit when you're on the road. It can make them think like, "Oh, we don't really have an advantage. This team is best when they're out of the state."
0: And so the Terps got that road series victory and yet again they played another doubleheader. Fourth straight weekend playing a doubleheader. It was the first time this century that the Turps have played a doubleheader in four straight weekends. Four straight Saturdays they played a doubleheader. And we'll probably mention this a little later, but this Friday the weather isn't looking great here in College Park. We might be headed for another Saturday doubleheader as the Terps take on Michigan this weekend, which, again, not ideal, but I wouldn't say the Turps are thriving, but they've split every single doubleheader. Mm-hmm. They haven't. Been swept in one yet, and they're pretty much used to it at this point.
1: We're also looking at some weather right now, you know, some rough weather every day this weekend, but that could change.
0: Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> well, let's get to last weekend where the weather again was rough. The Terps got one game in Friday and two games in on Saturday in State College, Pennsylvania, and that started with Friday night with Hunter Parsons on the mound against Dante Biazzi, and Biazzi came in as the Big Ten strikeout leader, and he showed why. Biazzi, 11 Ks over six innings, but the Terps got to him a little bit and got three runs against him. And on the flip side, Hunter Parsons, after back-to-back starts of seven earned runs each, I said it last week again on the podcast, Hunter Parsons is not giving up seven runs this week. He turned it around and turned into your usual Hunter Parsons. Seven innings, two runs on five hits, nine strikeouts to three walks, and one hit batter for Hunter, And at the start of the game, both pitchers were pitching very well, Parsons and Biazzi, two scoreless for each of the two ace starting pitchers to start off the ballgame. Of course, if you recognize the name Biazzi, obviously we talked about it last week on the broadcast, okay. his older brother Sal used to be the Friday night starter for Penn State, now Dante the Friday night starter. But a scoreless game through two, and then the Terps opened it up in the third inning. Caleb Walls and his return to State College the State College native who grew up about three minutes down the road from the stadium the Terps played at over the weekend. He singled into right. A.J. Lee doubled to put runners on second and third. And then a Randy Bednar sack fly made it 1-0, and a Taylor Wright RBI single made it 2-0. And then Hunter Parsons battled through again. He ended up pitching four scoreless. The Terps had a 2-0 lead. Maryland added one more off Biazzi in the fifth on a Taylor Wright RBI double, and it was 3-0. But then, Zach, something happened in the bottom of the fifth when you started to think maybe this is happening to Hunter Parsons again. After those last two starts against Northwestern and against Ohio State, he would have those, that one really big inning. And things started to happen like that again in the bottom of the fifth with the Terps up 3 to nothing. Parsons walks the leadoff batter. Then after an infield pop-up, he allows a bunt single to Mac Hippenhammer, and there's runners on first and second with one away. And then it's a two-RBI double from Ryan Sloniger. And on that play, two runs score, make it three to two. Penn State should be continuing to put the pressure on. But Sloniger makes a huge mistake that helped out the Terps. Tried to advance from second to third on the throw home, was gunned down at third base by Justin Vote. not even close to erase the base runner. And I'm sure that helped Parsons, obviously, getting that runner off the base paths. But even with that help, he settled down a little better during the bigger inning than he had the past couple of weeks.
1: Exactly, and that was what made the difference because we've seen him in some big innings. He's given up three, four, sometimes even five runs, and that could really – be kind of a dagger against the Terps when you give up that many runs but he was able to bounce back a bit quicker in that same inning where he gives up a couple of runs I think the base running mistake from Slaniger ended up really helping out as well but that put Penn State in sort of a different position than we've seen you know Hunter Parsons face before so he was able to bounce back rather quickly and luckily the Terps offense kept going after that and didn't shut down
0: yeah and the, the running base running mistake was big because the very next batter Conlon Hughes ended up singling If Sloniger's on base, there's no guarantee because he's a catcher, but he runs fairly well for a catcher. He probably scores on that Hughes single and ties the game. Then Hunter walked Gavin Homer, so again there's two runners on, and you're thinking, oh no, this big inning might continue. But he gets the big strikeout of by far the best hitter in the lineup for Penn State, Jordan Bauer Sox, and gets out of the inning with the Terps still in the lead. And then he puts together what he's been doing all this year is after, even though it wasn't a very big inning, still a crooked number, puts up zeros after that, comes out, gets a zero in the sixth, and then the Terps add two huge insurance runs in the seventh inning, First one scored in one of the weirder ways of all time. It was first and third, the situation. A pickoff throw to first, got away from the first baseman, hit the umpire, actually bounced back to the Penn State first baseman, Parker Hendershot. But Caleb Walls got such a good jump off third, seeing the throw go wide to the first baseman. He scored to make it 4-2. to two. Then later in the inning, Michael Panero pinch hits for Josh McGuire. And with runners on second and third, Zach, two outs and a two strike count in the inning. Panero lays a bunt down. Not something you usually see with two outs and two strikes. Yet it was the perfect bunt down the third base line, a base hit and an RBI made it 5 to 2. Talked with the coaches and Panero after the game. They said they wouldn't really tell me, you know, what the real plan was there because they didn't want to give it away for the future, but they do say there there was some some verbal cues to Panero like, "Hey, look for that. It might be open if you want to, but" That took some guts to lay that bunt down.
1: I mean, Connor, I know you're not a big fan of the bunt, and especially in a two-strike situation, I also don't think it's a good idea to put it down there. But, hey, it worked for the Terps, and if they're able to play small ball like that and score big insurance runs in big games like this to back up Hunter Parsons, well, then that's exactly what they need to do, and that's what they're going to do. Guys like Pinero producing like that is exactly what they need to be, and that's part of why I think the Terps have found so much success this year, especially with the small ball, is that they're able to have a lot of guys in their lineup not be afraid to to lay down a bunt, especially in a two-strike situation.
0: And those five runs, all the Terps would need. Hunter Parsons came out one more time, put up a zero in the bottom of the seventh. And then in the bottom of the eighth, Sean Fisher got a scoreless frame against the Penn State offense, utilizing a nice 6-4-3 double play turned by A.J. Lee in the inning. And then in a 5-2 game in the bottom of the ninth, it was John Murphy – who made quick work of the Penn State offense, a 1-2-3 inning with a strikeout, only threw 11 pitches, and the Terps won it 5-2 in game number one. And it was big that Murphy didn't throw many pitches Friday because the Terps needed him in the doubleheader on Saturday. So the Terps start that doubleheader Saturday with the win on Friday. And again in that one, the Terps take an early lead. It was Zach Thompson on the hill for Maryland, Eric Mock, the righty on the hill for Penn State. And after both pitchers put up a zero in the first, Mock didn't get any help from his defense in the second inning, and Penn State didn't really get any help from their defense all weekend. After a Maxwell-Costas leadoff double, a sack bunt from Caleb Walls was laid down nicely, but a throwing error allowed him to reach base, and then it got away far enough for Costas to come all the way around and score from second to give the Terps a one to nothing lead. Penn State got on the board against Thompson in the third. Shea Sobranti hit a solo home run into the bleacher seats in right field to tie the game at one. But the Terps came back out there in the fifth inning. A huge two-run double from Randy Bednar made it 3-1. to one. And the big storyline of Bednar from the weekend, he had four doubles in three games. He has now caught Taylor Wright for the Big Ten lead. They each have 18 doubles, which should be a nice little stretch for them to see who comes out on top in the doubles lead. But Bednar is just swinging such a hot bat all season. He's gotten so much better this year and didn't hit a homer this weekend. He essentially was hitting a double, it seemed like, almost every time he came to the plate.
1: Exactly, but that's exactly the kind of production the Terps need. That top four in the lineup has really been producing so much. Lee, who we'll get into later, still being phenomenal. And then you've got Bednar, Wright, and Maxwell Costas, who have been pretty much raking the entire season. When the 2-3 of Bednar and Wright are just hitting double after double after double, they're also going to be able to get a lot of runs batted in and be able to score a lot of runs as well because of that other production around the uh, lineup surrounding them. So that's what the Terps are really happy to get. And if there's a little bit of competition between Taylor and Randy about that uh, doubles lead, then I think that's a pretty good competition that their coaches are going to want them to have. So
0: the Terps had a 3-1 to one lead. Zach Thompson puts up a 0 in the 5th, 0 in the 6th. Penn State gets one more off of Thompson in the 7th, but he was able to escape a jam. Came out in the 7th inning, the Terps had a 3-1 to lead. He hits Chris Kramer in the inning. Then he hits Jacob Padilla on three pitches. He had already hit two batters, and it wasn't a good situation for the Terps after a Gavin Homer sack bunt sent the runners to 2nd and 3rd. Zach Thompson got back-to-back groundouts to get out of the inning. Now, the first one off the back bat of Mac Hippenhammer did score a run, but he was able to get that second ground out, keep the Terps up 3-2 to two going into the eighth, and that was huge heading towards that eighth inning because in the top of the eighth, Justin Vogt, another kid from that area up there in Pennsylvania, a two-run home run to right center field. It was maybe the biggest swing of the weekend. Gave the Terps two huge insurance runs and put Maryland up 5-2 to two in the top of the eighth inning, and it turned out to be so big because in the bottom of the eighth, Terps sent Zach Thompson back out to the mound, but he walks the leadoff batter, the nine-hitter Conlan Hughes, and is pulled from the game. Thompson's final line goes seven-plus innings, allows three runs, only two of them earned on three hits. Three Ks, one walk, he did hit three batters as well in the game. So the Terps go to Mark DeLuia, and some pretty crazy and somewhat weird things happen in the inning. The first batter, Jordan Bowersox, hits a little chopper up the line. Deluya fields it near first base. Nobody's covering the bag, so he makes a running and diving attempt to tag Bowersox. Got the out. It was a huge play. For some reason Hughes didn't come home from third. He was still standing on third. But then Ryan Ford knocked him in with a sack fly to make it five to three. Justin Williams homers off DeLuya to make it five to four. But Mark gets a big strikeout of Chris Kramer to end the inning. Keep the Turps up five to four. And when you look back at that game, makes it even bigger. That two run home run from Justin Vote may have saved the Turps from losing the series, potentially.
1: Exactly. And that's the kind of plays that, that the Terps need to make. And I mean double header you know you got to go back and get game two so having a play like that in game one kind of shift the momentum lock that one down and then you know you have the next game to try to win but you know the Terps were lucky to win the series before it got there and the
0: Terps got another big insurance run in the ninth Taylor Wright hit one into the bleachers in right field for a solo homer to make it six to four and then Maryland turned it over to John Murphy who had gotten the save the night before. And he had some incredible battles. A 10-plus pitch battle with Ryan Sloniger turns into a leadoff walk. Another 10-plus pitch battle with Gavin Homer turns into an infield pop-up. Then he eventually strikes out Mac Hippenhammer on a long battle and then gets Shea Sobranti to line out to Maxwell Costas to end the game. Murphy puts up a zero, gets the save, and the Terps clinch the series. But he threw over 30 pitches in that inning. And they were all fastballs, no breaking balls, no change-ups from Murphy, all fastballs, but it didn't matter. He got his ninth save of the year, and the Terps won 6-4 to four to take two out of three in the series, or take the first two and clinch the series. So it's a little different because the last couple of doubleheaders on the road, the Terps won the Friday game, lost the first one Saturday, and had to win the second one. This time they had won the first one on Saturday and were looking for the sweep, but things didn't start out so hot for Maryland in the second game and the final game of the series. Terps did get a run in the first inning on an RBI single from Caleb Balls that made it 1-0, but an answer right back from Penn State off of Trevor Labonte, an RBI double from Chris Kramer made it 1-1. Then into the third inning with the game still tied at 1, things kind of got away from Labonte in the inning. Penn State ends up getting five runs in the frame. They send ten men to the plate, mostly against Labonte, a little bit against Drew Wilden as well, who came out of the bullpen. And all of a sudden it was 6-1. to one. And although Labonte had a solid start against Ohio State, the couple of starts before that haven't been great. He's been a little rocky here down the stretch of the season.
1: Exactly, and that could be the freshman not used to this kind of situation. And also, the Terps are tired in the second game of a doubleheader. We, we can't you know deny that, and the Terps have kind of struggled in some game twos recently against Ohio State a couple of weeks ago, and then this one against Penn State, so... I talked to Corey Muscara a couple weeks ago about how he feels sending the freshman Labonte out there every Sunday, and he says he feels confident as long as the offense backs him up, but when you're not getting the run support for a freshman pitcher, that's got to be tough out there.
0: Yeah, Labonte's final line, he goes two-plus innings, gives up five runs on three hits, two Ks, and two walks for the freshman right-hander. But the Terps were not going down without a fight, down 6-1 to one after three innings. The Terps put up a three-spot in the top of the fourth to get right back into the game. An RBI hit-by-pitch pitch to Chris Allen with the bases loaded, made it six to two, and then on an RBI fielder's choice from AJ Lee, there was a throwing error that allowed a second run to score, and all of a sudden it was six to four. Then in the fourth inning, Drew Wilden, after somewhat calming the damage in the third, comes back out there in the fourth inning and loads the bases with nobody out. And it was a tough situation for the Terps, but they turn it over to Mark DeLuya. He spins a double play, which does allow the run to score, but then gets a line out and comes in with bases loaded, no outs, only gives up a run. Big positive for DeLuya, and it was 7-4 to four Penn State. And then back come the Terps in the fifth inning. Two run single up the middle for Michael Panero. All of a sudden, it's a 7-6 to six game in the fifth. Terps are right back into it, but it really felt like the dagger came in the bottom of the fifth inning. Derek Orndorff, because of an injury to Penn State left fielder Gavin Homer in the first game, Orndorff had to make his first start of the year. He was 0-2 for at the plate all season coming into it. Hadn't gotten any chances at all at the plate this season. Lines a 2-RBI double in the inning off of Sean Fisher on an 0-2 pitch which made it 9 to 6 it only or excuse me it only came with one out so you don't know if the inning ends and Penn State doesn't get the runs but to give it up to the 9 batter who didn't have any hits on the season was
1: kind of a crushing blow in the 5th inning exactly and that's just you know, that's going to happen. That's baseball. So, you know, a guy who doesn't get any hits, he's going to come up with the big one at the time where you'd least expect it. So that was kind of where you thought Maryland might have had it back in this one, and then the last place you'd think that Penn State was going to get their runs, they get two more. So that's what's going to happen. And that made it
0: a 9-6 to six game. Terps did get one back in the sixth, the Taylor Wright RBI single Made it 9-7. Penn State added one in the seventh on a sack fly to make it 10-7. to Terps did give it one more shot in the top of the ninth. Ended up loading the bases with two outs for Randy Bednar in a 10-7 game. He comes up representing the go-ahead run. Probably the guy you won up in that scenario. Cranks a ball back up the middle on a line but Penn State had him shifted the second baseman, Chris Kramer, standing right behind the second-base bag and stabs it for the final out. Penn State wins the final game of the series 10-7 to to take a game, but the Terps do get two of three and win another Big Ten series. So overall, Zach, it was probably you know a little disappointing to not get the sweep, but when you're on the road in the Big Ten, you're
1: looking for series wins, and the Terps did it again. Exactly, and like you said at the beginning of the podcast, it's really surprising that the Terps have been so good on the road this year, but if you're a Turp or a Turps fan, that's fantastic, and you want to keep that momentum rolling. Got a huge road series coming up against Minnesota, but then your rest of your games for the Big Ten are at home, so if you could try and figure out why you're struggling at home, try and use the Bob to their advantage, they can really you know, get their record up there and secure a spot in that Big Ten tournament.
0: And a lot of Terps offensive players had great weekends, Against Penn State, but for my Terp of the Week, Zach, I'm going to go with a pitcher, and it's not going to be a starting pitcher. It's going to be John Murphy, because Friday night, he has one of the easier saves, honestly, of his career here at Maryland. He came in, got a 1-2-3 inning with a strikeout, two pretty lazy popouts. He threw 11 pitches. It was a pretty easy frame for Murph, and he won the game for the Terps 5-2, but to then come back out there less than 24 hours later, and have to get another save in Game 2 of the series. And not only that, those battles to Padilla, Homer, and Hippenhammer, the first three batters of the inning, were long battles. Two of them went over 10 pitches. And it was after a leadoff walk, it was such a good battle with Padilla to start the inning. It ends up with a walk. Murphy somehow able to regain his composure, throw all fastballs and not allow a hit and get a save in the inning with a strikeout. That was just huge for Murph in his senior year and was huge for the Terps to get that series win. But will you be going with a hitter? four-year Terp of the week because there were three Terps who had great weekends at the plate.
1: There were, Connor. We could talk about them later, but I actually have a reliever as mine as well. It's kind of the guy who's become Murphy's setup man, and that's Sean Fisher. Been looking at his stats for pretty much the past month, so since April 3rd, with the exception of his appearance against Northwestern. He's thrown 20 and two-thirds innings with six earned runs and 11 strikeouts. That's total. But in his last 10 innings pitched, he's allowed nine hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts to three walks. This is a guy who came in this year, Terps kind of thought he'd be a bit of a wild card, wasn't sure how he was going to do. But Fisher, I think, has been doing an excellent job kind of pitching in those late innings and has been a really bright spot in that Terps bullpen.
0: And of course, all the, the hitters, Randy Bednar, Taylor Wright, and A.J. Lee all had fantastic weekends, and they'd be good choices as well for the Terp of the week, but the Terps bullpen got some big outs in those first two games to clinch the series for Maryland. But of course, it all started on the mound for Maryland with Hunter Parsons this week on Friday night, who got back to being Hunter Parsons. Again, two runs over seven innings with nine K's in the game one victory. And I had a chance to sit down with Hunter Parsons this week, the Terps senior ace, to talk about his journey here in his four years at Maryland, going from a pretty solid freshman year to having a sophomore year to Forget to putting it back together last year and all of a sudden becoming the Friday night guy by his senior year. We talk about that. We talk about his goals going forward with Maryland and beyond, obviously, and really just what his four years has meant to him and how he was able to turn it around and what Corey Muscara did to help that as well. So here's my conversation with Terps senior right-hander and Friday night ace, Hunter Parsons. The set from Parsons, is 1-0. Ground ball hits softly right to AJ Lee. It's short, scoops it up, throws over to first in time. And Hunter Parsons is through eight scoreless here against the Hoosiers. Another one, two. Swing and a miss, strike three. Got him with a high fastball. That's a career high 10 strikeouts for Hunter Parsons. Well, Hunter, first of all, thanks for joining us in your, what will be your final appearance here on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, so thanks for coming on this week. Thank you for having me. So, you know, there's a lot to get to, but I kind of want to start with this season and your last couple of starts, because you obviously had a huge bounce back start at Penn State over the weekend, and you know, the starts against Northwestern and the start against Ohio State when you kind of got hit around a little bit. I want to talk about the mindset that that it takes to give up a big inning and lock back in because you gave up a couple of big innings in those starts. They went to to lock back in, help your team out, three or four more scoreless frames, and help your team to victory despite maybe, you know, giving up a couple of hits in an early inning.
2: Yeah, so I um, have to give a lot of credit to, to Moose, a uh, pitching coach, um, just because after those innings, like – you know, it's really hard to stay locked in and not be not be upset, and, you know, both times he came up to me and was like, look, you have one of two things. We can either, you know, take you out this next inning when I send you back out because you're not responding well, or you can respond in a positive way because this inning's over, and the reality is we still have a chance to win the game, so it's all just kind of, you know, how much gut do you have? So, it really just came down to me, you know, like I said, we were still had a chance to win the game at some point, and the beginning of the year I said you know every start that I made I wanted to when I came out the team had a chance to win so really it's just the mindset of going out there and competing for the team um you know individual stats and performances really don't matter when you get a win so
0: that's really all I was worried about and I know the stats don't matter but did it? I, I don't know if your stuff felt different on Friday against Penn State, but did it feel a little better to leave the game with just a two on the board when you came out after seven?
2: Yeah, yeah, it
0: always feels, always feels uh, personally better. But uh, you know,
2: like I said, the main thing was we won, we won the two bad starts ahead, and we won a good start against Penn
0: State. So really, that's that's all that really matters to me. And even you're sitting in the dugout, you know, you just gave up a long inning, especially in those Northwestern Ohio State games. It's got to be a little bit of a good feeling that your offense just goes right back out there, picks you up, and says, here's the lead back.
2: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, that's the best thing about the team this year is, like, you know, we've had days where the pitching's been bad and the offense has been really good. We've had days where the pitching's been really good and the offense hasn't, you know, really been there. So it's all about, you know, it's a team thing. you got you got to pick each other up. If the offense isn't performing one day, then the pitchers need to step up and, you know, help pick them up. If the pitching isn't performing well one day, then, You know, it's kind of the offense, you know, kind of takes it upon themselves to go out there and perform the best they can. Doesn't mean we're always going to win, but it does mean we're going to compete. And obviously it's been
0: such an interesting and now a great ending to your career at Maryland. But I want to go all the way back to even before Maryland, back in your days, Parkside High School for – Anybody who cares about Maryland <laughs> public high school baseball. Hunter Parsons threw a no-hitter against my Falston team my yeah. junior year of high school <laughs> and ended my junior season as I watched from the bench. <laughs> didn't, didn't get me out of watching the bench, but um, you had such a great high school career, obviously, and ended up committing to the hometown state school at Maryland. You know, it must feel like, well, it is years ago, but it must feel like so long ago when you made that decision to come to Maryland. What went into that? I know it was somewhat of a different coaching regime back then, but what kind of drew you to, I'm going to stay home and play for Maryland? Uh, well, first of all, you know, it's close to the family.
2: Um, I knew the family, you know, if they wanted to come up, make a day trip out of a game, you know, come see a game, be able to go home that night, they'd be able to do that. So, you know, being close to them, having them be able to come watch. Uh, the coaching staff at the time was very, you know, um, they they welcomed me with open arms, uh, Coach Chef, Coach Ballinger, were, you know, really genuine guys, really great coaches, and um, they did a great job, you know, just kind of laying the foundation um, the first year I was here, and then, you know, Coach Ballinger obviously left, and we got, you know, new new coaches, which is going to happen, but, um, you know, Coach Ballinger was just a really genuine guy, and when I talked to him, I felt like that was a coach that I could play for, and a coach that was willing to work with me to get the best out of me, so, um, it's really a tribute to to that coaching staff, and you know, kind of just the genuineness that they
0: had. Do you look back on it and feel like I made the right decision? Yeah,
2: hundred percent. Every day, you know, there's there's not a day there where it was like, man, I shouldn't have came here. I should have gone somewhere else. You know, every day I've been happy to be a Turp, been happy to be here, and
0: kind of help grow this program. So you come in as. A recruit who obviously the Terps want to use right away and they showed it you ended up with five starts your freshman year pitched out of the bullpen some and had a very good season and you know you had to adapt a little bit to a relief role which is what what happens to a lot of guys their freshman year you know they're starters in high school and all of a sudden you get on a campus and you have to adapt to a relief role but you did it pretty well and you know did you set goals for yourself in your freshman year things you wanted to do and just in your first year as a Terp and how much did you get on the mound compared to what you maybe thought would happen that year?
2: Um, I didn't really have any goals coming into freshman year. I just wanted to get on the mound as much as possible. So uh, really there was no personal goals involved. It was kind of like, you know, Coach Bellinger, I'm I'm working my best to, you know, try and get out on the mound. So it was just a matter of, you know, if I got the opportunity. And then, you know, the the one start I had, the first start against VCU, I made the best of it, did pretty well. And he just kind of kept sending me back out there after that. So, um, You know, he got a little confidence in me, put a little confidence in myself, and
0: really was just uh, going out there every time and just enjoying the moment. Now, you got to spend one season with the guy who might be the best pitcher in Maryland history with Mike Schworen. Now, with him, he had a great year and obviously getting drafted high, and now he's in AAA, but I know it was only one season with him, but were you able to learn anything from him in, in that one year? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was just how he led, by example,
2: his mound presence when he was on the mound. Um, you know, he was just a bulldog out there, and, you know, that's kind of – I saw him go out there, you know, every time, and it didn't matter if he had good stuff or bad stuff that day. He was competing, and he was going, you know, five, six, seven innings every single start. So, that was just a kind of guy I just wanted to emulate myself after. And it was like, wow, when he steps on the mound, the team feels like there's a 100% chance they're going to win the game, no matter what. And – um, you know, it just really had to do with his presence. So, really, I just, you know, just l- uh, learning from the outside. You know, I didn't have a lot of one-on-one talks with him about, you know, how he does stuff, what his mindset is, which I, going back now, I wish I could have, you know, asked more. And, um, But, yeah, I mean, he was really just
0: a great guy to just sit from the outside and watch do his thing. And now we head to your sophomore year, which is obviously a year in your life that you've been asked about a lot. I mean, during that year, a lot during last year, that was pretty much your storyline was your jump from sophomore to junior year. But during that season, you know, maybe you weren't pitching in the highest leverage situations. The Terps had a really good starting rotation that year. Brian Schaefer, Taylor Bloom, and then, of course, the Big Ten freshman of the year, Tyler Bloom, who we're all happy to see back on the mound these last couple of weeks. Sure. But so you get into that midweek role as kind of the fourth starter early in that season, and you had your struggles, lost that role, try to pitch out of the bullpen, you know things just weren't going your way what do you remember from that season your struggles there and then what did you ultimately learn from that 2017 year uh really well <laughs>
2: a lot of the, what I remember from that year is just a lot of failure um you know it stinks to say but it felt like every time I went out there I was getting hit around so um you know, it was a reality check. You know, I had a good freshman year. Went and played summer ball. Had a really good, uh, you know, summer ball experience there with the Redbirds. And then coming into sophomore year, you know, I'm I'm feeling good about myself. I'm like, you know, thinking I'm I'm gonna get in the weekend rotation this year, uh, have a great season, and really set myself up well for you know junior year, draft year, you know, everything. And then you know, I just kind of got punched in the mouth, like Coach Vaughn says, and. At the time, I didn't really know how to respond because, you know, up until that point, you know, high school ball, freshman year, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of times of really flat-out struggle and really having to see what you're made of. So that was that was the first test, and um, you know, things kind of spiraled out of control, and the year kind of got lost. But what it what it helped me with is, you know, realizing that I can come out of something, you know as bad as the situation is, something good can come from it. You know, we talk all the time on the team that failure is a prerequisite to success. And, you know, most time you're hoping your failure is not that long and the success will come quicker than it did. But, uh, you know, that year things just didn't work out. But, you know, when Coach Mouscaras showed up in the fall and right away was instilling confidence in me, even though I didn't have any reason to have any after the season I did, um, I got to give, you know, just a ton of – credit to him for helping me out of that
0: situation. Take me from really starting in in June of 2017, because obviously the Terps went to a regional in 2017, the one time you've been to the NCAA tournament, um, obviously with the season ending in Wake Forest. But take me from that moment through fall ball, through the winter, to the spring of 2018, and just what you worked on personally, mentally, and, and how much Moose really helped you in your getting back to the mound and becoming the pitcher you are now.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, things didn't get any easier after the, the regular or the season for Maryland. You know, I, I was able, fortunate enough to go up to the Cape Cod League and play there for the summer on a full contract with the the YD Red Sox. And so obviously things weren't going to get easier going, you know, going from Big Ten to, you know, all all around, you know, all Power Five conferences and everything. So, I remember my first outing there, I gave up four runs in an inning and I'm like, All right, here we go. The summer's gonna be long, longer than you know, the actual season was. But um there was a, our pitching coach there, Austin Knight, who's with um Louisiana Tech now. Uh he kinda you know, started the the trend upwards for me. And um he started kinda working with me one on one, trying trying different things out of the bullpen and uh, you know, some things started to click. It wasn't great every outing, but I had a few good outings. Um I remember I got a save up there against uh, Orleans, which is the number one team at the time. So, you know, it was a great summer and it had its ups and downs, but it had more ups than downs, I thought. And that's something that didn't happen in, in the season with Maryland. You know, I felt like that season was really just a lot of downfalls. So things weren't great at the time, but, you know, something to build off of. And then uh, Coach Moose showed up. I, I moved my stuff in. I remember when I was with my dad, moved my stuff into uh, the room at the varsity. And I, uh, we go down to Looney's to, to have some dinner. Coach Vaughn's in there, and, you know, I talk to him. And then he's like, have you met Coach Muscara yet? I'm like, no. And he goes, oh, well, he's actually on his way here now. Like 10 minutes later, Coach Muscara walks in. First thing he says to me is, what's up, dude? I know all about you. Uh, you didn't have a good year this year, but I can guarantee you that we're going to have a great year this year. So it's like right away, I was like, I don't know this dude for, for anything. And the first thing he says to me is, you know, we're going to have a great year, even after seeing how bad my sophomore year was. So uh, fall ball, you know, was really working a lot on mindset, trying to get confidence back, trying to get, feel comfortable on the mound, feel like my stuff was better than the hitter. And I had a really good fall. You know, the fall ended really well. Um, ended, p- ended up pitching pretty well, you know, in the fall World Series and everything. So it was something, you know, things were starting to go up. Um, in the winter, I really just worked to get stronger and, um, you know, trying to eat right or get stronger. and you know, we don't, don't spend much time on the mound in the in the winter. So, it was really just relaxing, you know, looking back on the fall. What, what went well, what didn't. And then we get back in the spring. And, you know, he's he said uh, at the end of my fall meeting, you know, if, if, the, if the season were to start now, we would want you in the weekend rotation. So, spring comes around. And, you know, that's still in their mind. So, I was working to really go out and get that spot. I didn't want it taken from me because I felt – you know, sophomore year, Tyler Bloom—all credit to him—came and kind of took that spot from me. Cause, you know, at the at the end of that fall, Coach Chef was kind of like, "Yeah, we want you in the weekend rotation." And like I said, all credit to Tyler. You know, he came out and was a stud that year. But um, I didn't want that to happen again. You know, I really wanted to try and go out and help the team pitch as much as I could. And so, uh, really, just working on the mindset. You know, a lot of different things with Moose—visualization throwing bullpens with your eyes closed, throwing long toss with your eyes closed, you know, all sorts of things um, from mindset to mountain presence to pre-pitch routines. And, you know, it's all kind of just morphed itself into kind of the pitcher I am today, which I feel like is just a guy that goes out there and enjoys competing, especially being my senior year. You know, nothing's guaranteed after this. So just go out and compete, try to have fun.
0: and. You know, so that 2018 season, your first full season with Moose and you take them out to Tennessee and that start happens. Was there a different feeling after that start compared to the couple of starts that didn't go your way in 2017 and then in 2018 to have that start happen, but to have Moose right there in your corner, did that change things and allow you to bounce back and eventually have the season you did? Uh, immediately after,
2: no, I was thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, here we go again. Like, this is just going to be an awful season again. And um, actually, at Tennessee, Coach Vaughn came out and, you know, made the bullpen call, brought in Mark. And right before I left the mound, he goes, you have, you know, you can, ha- you have two ways to react to this. You can let things spiral out of control like you did last year, or you can do something about it and come back out next week and compete for us and, you know, try again. And so, like, immediately after, I'm just sitting in the dugout, I'm thinking thinking about all the worst things that can happen. Like, I'm going to lose my spot. This is all going to happen again. And I remember Moose coming over, and he goes, you got to stop – you got to get out of yourself right now, and you got to get into your teammates. So, right then, I'm just, you know, I'm up on the mound. I'm watching Mark pitch. And then later in the game, Billy Phillips comes in for his first career appearance, strikes out a guy, gets a double play. At that point, you know, I'm thinking in my head, well, this this bad start didn't happen, you know, maybe Billy Phillips doesn't doesn't get to come in this game. Maybe I don't get to witness that. So it was really just a shift of compared to my sophomore year where everything I thought was negative after a bad start to Coach Muscara helping me see a way where even in a bad start, you can pull out positives from things. And it was really, really in life as well, you know, in the school, in the classroom, with your family. just trying to see everything from a positive expect uh, perspective and that's really what kind of helped me through that start last year and uh, even the next start wasn't that great against army um came out they they got a couple off me i think in second or third inning and coach mascarello was you know there again he goes hey it's better and it's better than last week you're competing for us and so you know things just kind of went up from there and ended up having a pretty good season
0: you had a great season you get the two complete games, which must have been an even better feeling. And you get the first one against Bryant just to get yourself through nine innings and then having a complete game shutout against a team that went to a super regional in Stetson. And obviously, for the Terps overall, it wasn't a great season. And and record-wise, it was your worst of, of three years for the Terps as a team. But you had a great year. And, and you know, coming out of that 2018 season, going to 2019, you know, What's your feeling how hungry are you going into your senior year knowing, you know, I had a great comeback year. I felt good on the mound all year, but as a team, we didn't get the results we wanted.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when you don't make the postseason at all and that was that was the first time I had experienced it in the first 3 years. You know, freshman year we made it to the Big 10 tournament, uh ended up making it to the semifinals, I believe. Then, you know, the year uh sophomore year, we went to a regional, which was awesome, so you know, after last year not being able to make the postseason, just missing it too. Um, you know, it was in our control and we just we just came up short. So, you know, all the seniors I can attest for all of them coming into this year were we were just super hungry to get out on the field and compete again and you know, most most guys come back, you know, if they if they gotta come back for their senior season they're a little upset, you know, I didn't get drafted and now I'm back here, I gotta finish school and But, you know, I think for our senior group, that's not the case. Uh, We really enjoy being with each other and being with the rest of the team. And we understand that it's, you know, a positive experience to be able to come back and, uh, you know, further your education, you know, getting your degree, whether it's, you know, this semester or maybe have to do another semester or so. But, um, again, just another year to to, uh, go out there and compete in college ball. And so we've really just taken it upon ourselves to try and be leaders, try and have fun for this last season. And um, I think right now our our team record is not indicative of how well we've actually played and, you know, the team we are. Um certainly been trending upwards the past couple of weeks entering Big Ten play. You know, we kind of came into Big Ten play limping a little bit. You know, ECU, Creighton kind of took care of us at home. And we realized that, you know, that wasn't the team we are and we kind of kind of got away from ourselves a little bit. And so we had a little team meeting and uh, all the seniors are just like, you know, Lafayette, like Louisiana Lafayette series, the Stetson series, like that's our team, a team that goes out there and competes and it's going to be so hard to put us away. And I think, you know, we've really showed that the past couple of weeks, um, especially the last three. Uh, Indiana, you know, wasn't great, but Northwestern, we go on the road, take a, a good series from them, play really good games. Ohio State comes in we fight with them you know we we lose the one game in extra as that sucks and then you know their guy on Sunday was really good and but we still competed hard and i think that's the biggest thing with this team is we just
0: we just come out and compete every game and and when you take the mound obviously you're going to compete for as long as you're going to be allowed to stay in that game and and we've seen it a couple times this year we saw Rob Vaughn in the Indiana series come out there. I think everybody in the stadium thought you were coming out of the game. You did not come out of the game. You stayed in there and finished eight scoreless innings against what I think is the best offense in the Big Ten. It might be one of the best offenses in the country, as they showed over the next two days. But just competing out there and your mindset you talked about with Moose. And, you know, when you go out there for a start, I, I don't know if, you know, your your previous struggles ever cross your mind, but do you ever, like, look back and feel like, you know, from where I was my sophomore year, like this took a lot. And I feel like I'm just in such a different place mentally that I can go out there and get anybody out.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like, like we talked about, you know, sophomore year was a totally different mindset. There was a guy that, um, you know, didn't have confidence, wasn't sure if, if baseball was still, you know, his route to go, you know, it didn't feel like, you know, it was given back to me, I guess you could say. And, um, It was just a lot of struggles and a lot of failures. But then again, you know, failures can go one or two ways. They can tear you down completely or they can build you up. And, you know, I decided, you know, with the help of Coach Muscara that those failures were going to be something that was going to build me up and make me into a new pitcher, someone who has grit, someone who uh, knows how it feels to fail, to struggle really hard, and, um, you know, a new mindset that, you know, that's not going to define my career. That's not going to define who I am as a person. Rather, just going out there and competing and you know, giving it my all to my team and leaving it all out there on the field, that's the guy I want
0: to be remembered as. And and as, as a senior on this team that doesn't have a lot of seniors, there's two senior pitchers, you and Murph, the Friday night guy and the closer, and obviously that's Maryland's best combination right now, Parsons to Murphy, and that seems like a Friday night win almost every time. But you guys, and especially you, behind the two senior arms there's a lot of freshman arms in that bullpen a lot of sophomore arms in that bullpen some guys you know well like Sean Fisher and Grant Carlson just a lot of guys back there how much do you guys help them how much do they look for help because you know they're not just normal freshmen who pitch in 10 12 innings in their freshman year getting going moose needs to go to them all the time to get some out so how much do you help them just with that with with all of that that goes into their college career knowing they're coming in right away and trying to help this Terps team.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's something we knew in the fall was, uh, you know, there's – I think there's five or six upperclassmen pitchers. And so the freshmen knew from the fall, the freshmen and sophomores, they knew that it's not going to – they don't really have a choice. They're going to have to come out there and get innings. So I think, you know, even even right there, that's that's something to, you know, get a little confidence in on because – you know you're going to have to pitch. It's not like you're going to, you know, just sit the bench the whole season. You're going to, you're literally going to have to pitch because we're going to need you to. So um, I think it's, it's led a lot of the younger guys to come out there and just kind of have, you know, a no fear, no pressure, you know, situations. And, you know, they performed extremely well. Will Glock, Andrew Vale, of all, like those two guys were kind of the ep- epitome of the freshman class right now. And, you know, it's, it stinks for Will that you know his season was cut short. But um, you know, I think I think those two guys were the two guys who really took charge um, from you know the late fall to the to the early spring on you know reaching and, reaching out to guys and kind of setting the standard for the young guys. And um, you know, I've just seen all the young guys grow. Like, you know, a lot of them are coming to me, coming to Murph, coming to Tyler. You know, the older guys asking asking ways they can get better. Asking what routines are like, what they do, you know, a couple days leading up to you know their starts or how they how they prepare for the bullpen. And uh, I know Murph's been a really really essential guy for that bullpen because he's been in the bullpen you know basically his whole career, and he's he's been in high high pressure situations and performed extremely well. So you know he's certainly a guy that you know coming out of the bullpen you want to look up to. You see how he comes in in the ninth inning and. It might, he might walk a guy or two, but then it's strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. So I think a lot of guys have talked to him, you know, talk about what he does inning to inning because he has a, you know, a very strict routine. This inning I go out, roll out. This inning I go do some dry work, stuff like that. So, um, you know, really I, I'm really proud of the, you know, the younger guys and how they've come out and competed and really just had no fear and really just, you know, laid it all on the line. It's hard to do as a young guy.
0: And, and with this young team, you know, it's a lot of young guys who will be back, but there are the four seniors, and it. It, it, it was kind of weird to hear Rob Vaughn say today at practice, like, there's a chance, and you guys hope this isn't the reality, but there's a chance he's got 11 games left with this group, which was a little bit jarring to hear. Yeah. And obviously with this team set up to go to Omaha, if it were to end today in the Big Ten tournament, you obviously want more than those 11. So that's got to be what's on your mind is getting there, but... With with the great season you had last year and the great season you had this year, I know you don't want to focus on, on what's next for you maybe, but but is that in your in your path, in your goals is to make it to the next level and, and continue pitching after it ends here at Maryland? Yeah, for
2: sure. Um, you know, I told my parents when I was four years old, you know, my goal is to be a major league pitcher. I told them that's what I wanted to be when I grow up. So um, I just really have a love for this game. I love going out there and competing. Um Love just have a real high passion for it, you know. I love the life lessons it teaches you, you know, how you can go from struggling to to the highs, you know, the 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 lows and the highs, the va- mountains and the valleys. Um, I just love everything about this game. So if I get a chance, you know, I definitely want to keep playing, you know, until until it's time to hang them up. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, uh, really, really want to take it to the next level, and you know. If I'm given that opportunity, you know, I'm, I'm gonna feel blessed. You know, I feel blessed. You know, just how far I've come so far. You know, coming from the Eastern Shore, where not a lot of guys, you know, a lot, of, not a lot of people, you know, can say they got a Division One scholarship. So, um, you know, I feel blessed now, and I'll feel more blessed if I do get an opportunity. But, uh, you know, if not, it's been a fun ride. And, you know, I've I've given it all. I, I've given the game all I can, all I could give it.
0: So and and it's obviously been a fun ride but as you said it's it's not over yet and and with what you know you have is at least three starts yet left and we hope four starts left and and possibly more down the road for Maryland but when you sit there and visualize and you think about this home stretch of your roller coaster college career you know what do you want to put out there in your final starts final few starts as a Terp
2: I don't you know I don't want to put any more pressure or change my mentality for what it's been all season I want to go out there and compete for my team go d- goes deep into the game as I can and then when the ball gets taken to me I want to you know be on the fence and be a good teammate and you know root on my teammates and you know hope for the victories you know um to to keep the season going but uh no mindset changes or anything you know I just like I said I just want to go out there and compete and put the team in the best situation to win so that we can keep playing because of I love the group of guys that we got.
0: Well, Hunter, thanks so much for taking some time out of your week to to come on the podcast. Yeah, thank you again for having me. And again, our thanks to Terps senior right-hander Hunter Parsons for joining us this week on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast and. Zach, obviously, Hunter Parsons has been such a great story here at Maryland, as we talked about after that really, really tough sophomore year, how he was able to regroup and just get back going last year as a junior. Had a phenomenal year. And this year, really, he's been even better as Maryland's ace. And the mentality it took for him to have that season as a sophomore and then be able to bounce back is kind of something you see in some of his starts especially lately when he'll give up that big inning and it doesn't phase him. He just locks back in and will have three or four more scoreless throughout the game. And I think this guy is about as mentally tough as they come.
1: Exactly. He's just been a, a leader on this team, kind of established himself not only as the ace, because that we know, but also is just one of the guys who other pitchers who are younger can look to for advice. I always see him talking with some of the younger players and just talking about everything that he can from baseball to, to classes to life and whatever. He just likes to be out there likes to have fun, loves the game of baseball, and it's just an all-around great guy that the Terps have really built their team around this year when you consider the success they've had. In his starts as well, he got that win against Indiana. That was huge, and that was, you know, arguably one of his best starts of the year when he was able to shut down the Hoosiers and give the Terps a win against what is now, I guess, the best team in the Big Ten and one of the best teams in the country.
0: Yeah, and Hunter Parsons, obviously, when he goes out there on the bump on Friday nights for Maryland, the Terps feel like they have a chance to win no matter who they're playing, and that's the kind of stuff that he has out there maybe he's not your typical ace he did strike out nine over the weekend against penn state but he's not the i'm gonna go out there and pitch eight scoreless and strike out 12 he's gonna go out there and pitch eight scoreless and strike out five and get seven or eight or more ground ball outs and get you to induce weak contact and outwalk a lot of guys but he's a great college pitcher and obviously hopefully from a baseball perspective there is a path for him at the next level and just from a personal perspective one of the just the better guys on this Maryland team obviously we want to see him succeed of course the rest of this season and at the next level but he's of course a team guy and doesn't want to look to that next level yet because he wants to get this team to the Big Ten tournament and potentially beyond this year and that continues this Friday when he will pitch what we hope will be Friday unless there's weather That changes things. But Friday night against a very good Michigan team, which is sitting right around the top of the Big Ten standings and is fighting for a Big Ten regular season title this year. And what Michigan is also fighting for, they had a really good record last year. They did not make the NCAA tournament. They went on a 20-game winning streak last year. Did not make the NCAA tournament because they played such a low strength of schedule. This year, they did it again. Not a good strength of schedule for Michigan. They need to continue to rack up a lot of Big Ten wins. They sit 53rd in the RPI right now. They need to rack up more Big Ten wins to get to that NCAA tournament as an at-large team, and that starts with road wins against Maryland this weekend, so that's why it's such a huge series for both teams. For Michigan, unless they kind of implode, Zach, they're going to make the Big Ten tournament. They're not as worried about that. They're worried about their tournament resume for the NCAA tournament. Maryland, on the other hand, needs some wins to solidify one of those top eight spots to get to the Big Ten tournament, so it should be a pretty interesting series this weekend in College Park between the Terps and the Wolverines. And to break down that series a little bit more, we are joined this week by Kent Schwartz of the Michigan Daily. He covers the Wolverines baseball team out there in Ann Arbor. And he was able to take some time to join us this week to break down this Michigan team who, again, 31-11 and on the season this Michigan ball club. They're winning a lot of baseball games right now, and they're 11-3 and sit in first place in the Big Ten with, of course, the former Terps head coach Eric Bakich at the helm. But because of that strength of schedule, they still need some more wins and they need to keep winning series if they want to get back to the NCAA tournament. They've got a great starting rotation on the weekends. They've got some really good hitters in there as well, and this is a really good baseball team that the Terps will be welcoming to the Bog to the Bob, excuse me, this weekend. So here's my conversation with Kent Schwartz as we broke down the Wolverines. So we welcome in Kent Schwartz from the Michigan Daily here on the pod to talk about some Wolverines baseball. And Kent, thanks so much for joining us this week on the podcast.
3: Thanks for having me, Connor.
0: So I first want to start um, with this Michigan team and, and how they're playing right now. The Wolverines will come into this series against the Terps, winners of eight in a row including back-to-back Big Ten sweeps over a couple of teams who, in Rutgers and Northwestern who are coming off pretty bad seasons but are actually both in the fight for the Big Ten tournament right now. But Michigan kind of blew through those two teams en route to the back-to-back sweeps. So I know Michigan's had a great season, but on this winning streak, it's really seemed like the pitching has been great. They haven't allowed really more than three runs in any of those six conference games.
3: Yeah, I think that's definitely it. Uh, They struggled a little bit against Ohio State and Minnesota, but um, they switched around so that uh, Carl Kaufman uh, became the Friday starter and Tommy Henry moved to uh, Saturday. And it seems both of them have settled into that role really well. And Jeff Criswell um, is pitching really well also. He has a a sub-1 ERA against Big Ten opponents, and he's really holding down Sunday.
0: And, and I want to talk about that switch because, you know, halfway through this season, Tommy Henry was named a, a midseason All-American. I mean, he was seemingly getting everyone out and was looking like the front runner for Big Ten Pitcher of the Year at some point. And he's still up there, obviously, in that conversation. But I just thought it was interesting for them to move him to Saturday. From what you've seen, was it more of him maybe having a rough start? I know he had a rough one against Ohio State. Or was it more of what Carl Kaufman has done this season to move him to Friday?
3: I think it was more of what Tom, of Tommy having rough starts. Carl's always been really good for the team, and he's especially uh, taken it up a notch the last couple of weeks. But Tommy Henry, um, it just seemed he had a couple of rough starts, and uh, Coach Backage decided to move them around to put Carl up there. It just seemed that it was Tommy wasn't throwing his best stuff on Friday anymore, so they just moved him around.
0: And, and with those two now going Friday-Saturday, I mean, even with Tommy Henry having a couple of, of rough starts, he's probably the best Saturday starter in the Big Ten at this moment. And you talked about Chris Well, how well he is pitching in Big Ten play. and do, Does it seem like this team, despite having a great offense as well, you know, they have the best ERA in the Big Ten. Are they going to go as far as his starting rotation takes them this year? Uh,
3: yeah, that will definitely be it. Um, Tommy Henry is really the only one that pitches or that strikes batters out, but Kaufman and Criswell, they, uh, they'll put the ball in play and they'll let their defense take it. And the defense with the starting pitchers, that's what's going to drive this team into the postseason.
0: And obviously the starting pitching has been great and it will be tough for Maryland to see those three. And, and, and you know, it's even better for Michigan. A lot of teams in the Big Ten will switch-up weekend pitchers throughout the season. It's pretty much been these three guys all season. But then you go to the bullpen, and, you know, it doesn't really get any easier for opposing offenses. Willie Weiss has been outstanding as Michigan's closer this year, and seemingly there's been a couple guys at the back end of this bullpen that have been just absolutely locked down this year.
3: Yeah, you mentioned Willie Weiss, and once you get past the first two batters with Willie, he'll strike them out, and no one will get on base. But then you've got Benjamin Kaiser, who's a senior uh, captain on the team. Uh, he'll come in if they're up by three or they're just trying to hold the game close. And he's really locked down. And then you've got two freshmen, uh, Isaiah Page and uh, Walker Cleveland, who are really, um, they're uh, weekday starters, but they'll come in and a pinch for the bullpen. And they'll pitch really well and hold batters to two hitting 200.
0: And this bullpen it just kind of rounds out this pitching staff it seems what makes them so good but i want to you know transition over to the offense a little bit and you know this team has a lot of good hitters and they're right up there at the top of all the big 10 hitting categories but it seems like maybe the most surprising hitter this year has been you know the outbreak of Jordan Brewer as a junior college transfer and and we know some of these other guys in this offense who have hit well in the past, but w- was Brewer a little bit of a surprise to be hitting 378 at this point with 11 homers? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, back H when he came in, described him as a raw talent, who's
3: just a physical specimen, but to see him hit 378 overall, and he's also hitting 432 in the big 10. Um, he takes big swings, and most of the time he hits the ball. He hits when he takes big swings. And it's just been surprising to see him hit home run after home run, double after double, and get on base a lot in his first year of D1 baseball.
0: And, and you know, behind him it, it really doesn't get any easier. I mean, the guy for now two years really in this Michigan lineup has been Jordan Wogu. I mean, he's having another phenomenal season 350 average, he's got four homers um, he gets on base a lot walks more than he strikes out although Brewer is having an incredible year, you know, it seems like Wogu's the guy in the middle that a lot of people in the Big Ten are scared of when he comes to the plate
3: yeah, Wogu is actually the uh, leadoff hitter which you wouldn't imagine seeing he's a big man and very frightening to stand next to and he's been on base 20 straight games um over 500 on-base percentage. Um, To have him walk up there, and that's the first batter that pitches base, is kind of intimidating, and it sets the tone for the entire lineup. And over over the last 20 games, he's become a lot more of a patient batter. Like last Friday, he had a seven-pitch at-bat to lead off uh, against Rutgers, and he just hit a home run with two strikes.
0: And... You know, I think the most dangerous part of this lineup, I mean, there's home run hitters, guys with a lot of good averages, but you look up and down the lineup, and pretty much everyone who plays regularly, looking at the guys who have about 25 to 30 starts or more on this team, I mean, everybody's hitting 260 or above, except for Jesse Franklin, who's hitting 234, but Franklin has 10 home runs. So even the one guy who maybe is average and isn't there is still hitting the home runs, and... Looking up and down, it seems like this is the best put together one through nine lineup in the Big Ten. Watching this team, does it feel like everyone one through nine can produce at the plate at any time?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, any inning, any half inning, there's uh, a good chance that they'll put up runs. Uh, plenty of games this season, they've gone and they've scored seven out of nine innings to win the game.
0: And you know, this offense obviously combined with the pitching makes this team so dangerous. And that's why Michigan right now, first place in the Big Ten at eleven and three in the conference and thirty-one and eleven overall. But, you know, it kind of feels like the Wolverines they're in a similar position to where they were last year. I mean, this Michigan team had a very, very good season record wise in twenty eighteen. As well, Eric Backage's team went 33-21 and 21 last year, so they're obviously on a little bit of a hotter pace this year. But went 15-8 in the Big Ten and still missed the tournament, though, even though they had that 20-game winning streak last year. Still missed the tournament because, really, the strength of schedule wasn't very good, and they really finished slow. They lost seven of their last nine games. And, and looking at this Michigan team this year, I mean, you have a road series against Maryland who's been kind of in the middle of the Big Ten. But then after that, they play the other two best teams in the conference in Indiana and Nebraska. So how do you think this team somewhat avoids that, you know, stumble to the finish that really hurt them last year?
3: Uh, they just have to learn how to play in big games and big series. They've had a few of them. Um, they went to California and they played in Dodger Stadium, the Dodger Town Classic, against UCLA, the number two team in the country at the time, and they beat them. But they lost the next two games against USC and Oklahoma State. And they went to Texas Tech and got swept. So it's just whether or not they can play in big games, that's the biggest question for them. And I think that pitch wouldn't have it any other way to really close out
0: the season against two of the best teams in the Big Ten to really test his team and to see if they really have what it takes to play further level of baseball. And... Obviously, you know it was it was tough for Michigan. They they weren't exactly you know squarely on the bubble, but they were pretty close to the bubble when they didn't make the NCAA tournament last year. So, does it feel like there's kind of a hunger around this team, not just Coach Backage, but some of these players, that they felt like they were really good at one point last year, obviously winning twenty games in a row, and to not get in, does that kind of fuel their fire a little bit more this year?
3: I'd say so. There's only one player on the team who. Or one uh, starter in the lineup who wasn't on the team last year. And all of these players were freshmen last year. And they come back to this. Most of the players were freshmen last year. They come back for the sophomore year. And they're really trying to prove that they've grown an extra year. They've, they're older and they're stronger and that they can come back. And yeah, they're pl- definitely playing with a chip on their
0: soul, shoulder. And so the Wolverines, again, 31 and 11, 11 and 3 in the Big Ten, come into this. Series against Maryland, Wolverines looking to try and continue their path to a Big Ten regular season title. Maryland, on the other hand, just trying to get into the Big Ten tournament, sitting in six. So if you were to say, the one key for Michigan coming in, winning a series on the road, and staying in first place in the Big Ten after this weekend, what would that one key be for this Wolverines team?
3: Um, just to get to Maryland's bullpen. Uh, they really like to work up uh, opposing starting pitchers pitch count and get to the bullpen, bullpen because they're Friday, Saturday, and Sunday starters you can definitely hold them down. Uh Jeff Criswell, he'll go five or six innings. Um and then you'll he throws a lot of pitches and you'll generally have to put a reliever in. And they want to get as many runs on Sunday as possible because uh the to get in front of the opposing team. So definitely to just get to uh, Maryland's relievers.
0: Well, Kent, thanks uh, thanks so much for joining us this week on the podcast to uh, to break down some Michigan Wolverines baseball as this team sits in first place in the Big Ten. All right, thank you, Connor. Again, our thanks to Kent Schwartz for joining us this week on the pod. And Zach, I think the most interesting part about the conversation about this Michigan team. It really seems like, at least since the Indiana series, this is the most all-around, put-together team. Michigan, you know, they don't have the most high-powered offense. That's probably Indiana. The pitching rotation is probably up there, but it might not be the best one in the Big Ten, but they just do everything well. They play some pretty solid defense. But when I look at Michigan, I look at this starting rotation. A guy like Tommy Henry, who we talked about, who was a midseason All-American this year on the Friday night starts. Last two weeks he's been the number two starter for this team. Carl Kaufman has moved to Fridays. They've got some good starting pitching and the Terps have had some hot bats but Maryland's going to need to hit some pretty good arms out there this weekend.
1: Absolutely I mean starting with the pitching Michigan has the lowest ERA in the Big Ten as a combined pitching staff at 309 and they're being excellent so far and then they also lead in batting average at 287. So it's going to be up to the Maryland pitchers to keep that ball in the ballpark and let the defense make the plays, which has also been kind of a struggle for the Terps this year. And we know the struggles they've had at home. So if the Terps really want to make a statement in these Big Ten standings, they've got to take at least two out of three from Michigan this weekend.
0: Yeah, the Terps are 8-12 at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium this year. They've done all the damage on the road. It hasn't been done at home, but it is a huge chance if the Terps could get 2-3 this weekend, that would be huge. they go to 10 and eight with some big wins over the first place team and they'd be sitting in very good a very good situation to get to the big 10 tournament as we look at the standing terps are tied for sixth right now they're at seven and six illinois and rutgers or excuse me they're at eight and seven excuse me illinois is there and minnesota is there as well at eight and seven terps of course have the tiebreaker over illinois play minnesota next weekend in Minneapolis but it'll be three big games against a really good Michigan team and you look at the Terps probably need four more wins 12 and 12 the Terps can go at least four and five if they go five and four I think they're going to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament if they can get four and five and get to 12 and 12 that should be enough to get them into the Big Ten tournament so it feels like if they can get to 12 and 12 that should be enough for Maryland and that quest to get to those wins and get to Omaha continues this weekend at Bob Turtlesmith Stadium against the Michigan Wolverines, of course. You can hear all three games right here on the Maryland Baseball Network. Tentatively, without any weather, game one Friday at 6.30 p.m., the pregame show at 6 o'clock. Game two is at 2 o'clock p.m. with the pregame show at one thirty, and then game three Sunday, the final one at 1 o'clock with the pregame show at 12.30. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast we hope you join us this weekend for all three games and I'd like to thank hunter parsons for sitting down with us this week and would like to thank kent schwartz from michigan daily as well for talking some michigan baseball so make sure to tune in this weekend as the Turps take on michigan for a huge series at the bob and you can listen to all the action right here on the maryland baseball network thanks for listening